Hello and welcome. You found the Social Work Podcast. My name is Jonathan Singer, and I'll be your host as we explore all things social work. In 1900, a mathematician named David Hilbert identified 23 unsolved math problems he thought the field of mathematics should focus on in the 20th century. The problems he identified were complex and, in his estimation, solvable. In a lecture he delivered before the International Congress of Mathematicians in Paris in 1900, he said, quote, A mathematical problem should be difficult in order to entice us, yet not completely inaccessible, lest it mock at our efforts. It should be to us a guidepost on the mazy paths to hidden truths, and ultimately a reminder of our pleasure in the successful solution. The idea that the grand challenges should be difficult, yet solvable, has become a cornerstone of all subsequent grand challenge initiatives. And the impact of Hilbert's grand challenge for the field of mathematics cannot be underestimated. And since it worked out so well for Hilbert to give a talk on problems he hasn't solved, well, the next time I'm asked to give a talk, I'm just going to list a bunch of things I haven't gotten done. And I got way more than 23 on my list. Epic keynote. Call me if you're interested. Operators are standing by. So fast forward to 2003, when the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation revived the idea of the Grand Challenge, identifying 14 Grand Challenges in global health. And there have been several subsequent Grand Challenge initiatives, including the 14 Grand Challenges proposed by the National Academy of Engineering in 2008. Now, the story of how the Grand Challenge concept came to social work begins the way of many social work stories, with food and friends. One spring day in 2011, three social work deans, Rick Barth of the University of Maryland, Baltimore, Eddie Uehara, the University of Washington, and Marilyn Flynn of the University of Southern California, met for lunch. Here's Dean Barth. Dean Flynn and Dean Uehara asked me to come to lunch, and we talked about this idea of trying to do something related to the Grand Challenges. I wasn't very familiar with Grand Challenges, although I had heard about them. I knew about the Gates Grand Challenges. I knew about the National Academy of Engineering Grand Challenges. It turns out that Dean Flynn and Dean Uehara had colleagues in engineering who they knew quite well who'd been very involved with the National Academy of Engineering Grand Challenges. And so that was an area that they were particularly interested in exploring. The next summer, In August 2012, and I'm quoting from one of the Grand Challenge papers, quote, a small group of social work faculty, deans, and leaders of national social work organizations gathered together in the Islandwood Conference Center on Bainbridge Island, Washington, to grapple with social work's role in shaping 21st century society. By the end of the day, participants were in agreement that the creation of a Grand Challenges for Social Work initiative might both galvanize the profession and create transdisciplinary communities of innovators who work together to accomplish shared and compelling societal goals. If it isn't obvious by now, today's Social Work podcast is about the Grand Challenge Initiative for Social Work. Now, you might be listening and thinking, yeah, I deal with Grand Challenges every day, suicide, relapse, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, interpersonal violence, neglect. I I got this whole grand challenge thing. Yeah, you do. 
And I'm pretty sure that today's guest, Dr. Richard Barth, president of the American Academy of Social Work and Social Welfare, and the dean and professor of the University of Maryland Baltimore School of Social Work, and everyone else involved in the initiatives, hopes that when you hear what the 12 grand challenges are, you think, oh yeah, those are my challenges too. So what does the American Academy of Social Work and Social Welfare, which I will refer to you as the Academy from now on, say about the grand challenges? Well, according to their website, it's a, quote, groundbreaking initiative to champion social progress powered by science. It's a call to action for all of us to work together to tackle our nation's toughest social problems. For more than a century, social workers have been transforming our society. Social work interventions doubled the number of babies who survived in the early 20th century, helped millions out of poverty from the Great Depression to today, and assisted people with mental illness through deinstitutionalization, aftercare, treatment, and advocacy. Today, our society faces serious, interrelated, and large-scale challenges. Violence, substance abuse, environmental degradation, injustice, isolation, and inequality. We need social workers' unique blend of scientific knowledge and caring practice more than ever. The 12 Grand Challenges for Social Work are organized under three broad categories. Individual and family well-being, a stronger social fabric, and a just society that fights exclusion and marginalization, creates a sense of belonging, promotes trust, and offers pathways for social and economic progress. So I can hear you now. Okay, Jonathan, what are the 12 grand challenges? Well, the Academy put a lot of time and money into making a video that talks all about the 12 grand challenges. So here's a clip from that video. There are 12 grand challenges for social work in all. Ensure healthy development for all youth. Close the health gap. Stop family violence. Advance long and productive lives. Eradicate social isolation. End homelessness. Create social responses to a changing environment. Harness technology for social good. Promote smart decarceration. Build financial capability for all reduce extreme economic inequality, and achieve equal opportunity and justice. So if you like that, there's a link to the video on the Social Work Podcast website, or you can go to the Academy website, or just search Grand Challenges for Social Work video. Now, I've thought a lot about the Grand Challenges initiative. Remember that one called Harness Technology for Social Good? Well, I was lucky enough to co-author one of the two papers for that grand challenge, along with Stephanie Burzen from Boston College and Chitat Chan from Hong Kong Polytechnic University. And because of my involvement with the grand challenge paper, I've had a lot of conversations with current and future scholars about the idea of grand challenges and the specific papers that have been written as part of the current initiatives. Here are my totally non-scientific poll results of what people think about the grand challenges. A couple folks have been really excited about this initiative, but most have been skeptical. And since we'll be hearing from one of the most vocal proponents of the grand challenge initiative in today's episode, I wanted to mention some of the criticisms. First, lots of folks that I talked to have questioned how the topics were chosen. The most frequent critique is that they're biased towards the research agendas 
of the Academy Fellows rather than a reflection of the scholarship of the profession as a whole. Two, the grand challenges don't really map onto most people's area of research or practice. For example, I specialize in working with suicidal youth. My research could fit under ensuring healthy development for all youth, closing the health gap, eradicating social isolation, harnessing technology, reducing extreme economic inequality. And so if I wanted to do what the Academy website says and, quote, join the grand challenges for social work, would I join all of them? Third, the grand challenges seem to be written for and by scholars. The grand challenges would probably have looked a lot different if they had been developed by practitioners or even educators. Four, what if the grand challenge isn't coming up with new solutions to problems, but rather to overcoming barriers to implementing existing problems? If we're spending time and energy trying to think up new solutions, won't we be missing out on addressing those existing barriers? Five, people are concerned that the 10-year time frame is arbitrary and more likely to fail than succeed. And so what happens if in 10 years nothing has changed? Or if it has and it doesn't really have anything to do with the Grand Challenge Initiative? According to a 2014 article in The Economist, after 10 years and a billion dollars, none of the projects funded under the Gates Foundation Grand Challenges banner has yet made a significant contribution to saving lives and improving health in the developing world. Now, here's what some of the people like about the Grand Challenge Initiative. One, it could be a unifying project for social work scholars, policymakers, educators, and practitioners, right? We could all get behind these 12 grand challenges. Two, it could be a way to bring scholars from other professions to the social work table. And Dr. Barth's going to talk a little bit more about this, but I have to say that I have been more intentional in seeking out and engaging with folks from other disciplines since I started working on the technology grand challenge paper. It could help to focus a profession that's really known as a jack or jacqueline of all trades. Because of my involvement on this tech paper, I've had more of an interest in identifying and documenting exactly what the role of technology is in social work and what social workers' role should be in developing and using technology. And I've had conversations with social work scholars, practitioners, and educators around the world about what the next steps are. And I know this wouldn't have happened without the Grand Challenge Initiative. And finally, it really could make it easier to market social work. Uh, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has had the experience where somebody says, wow, really, you're a social worker? Or really, that's what social workers do? I'll be the first to admit that the phrase harness technology for social good is a much better headline than, uh, yeah, we do lots of stuff with technology and uh, people's lives are better. I was very glad to have the opportunity to talk with Dr. Richard Barth about the Grand Challenge Initiative. And this is the point in the introduction where I usually give a brief bio of my guest. But Dr. Barth's accomplishments are so extensive that his short bio is an entire page long. So to learn more about his zillions of awards, publications, and achievements, please check out his bio on the Academy website or at the University of Maryland, Baltimore. 
Dr. Barth and I spoke at the January 2016 Society for Social Work and Research Conference in Washington, D.C. The conference theme was Grand Challenges. And I was at the conference to record interviews for the podcast and to present one of the two working papers for the Grand Challenge of Harness Technology for Social Good. And there were tons of events having to do with the Grand Challenges. And there are even a couple of times in the interview when Dr. Barth mentioned some upcoming conference events having to do with the Grand Challenges. And I was there, and I just want to let you know they did in fact happen. In today's interview, I asked Dr. Barth if there was a plan to bring practitioners, educators, and policymakers on board with the Grand Challenge initiatives. And he said they were already on board. I asked him to walk us through a grand challenge topic, and he picked the challenge of ensuring healthy development for all youth. I asked him if he hopes the grand challenge initiative will make funding available to the profession, and he said that he hopes for more resources, not just funding. And I asked him if he thought doctoral students should hitch their wagons to the grand challenges. He was diplomatic, but basically said, yeah, or at least that was my take. You can judge for yourself. And I asked him about the challenges coordinating between the major social work organizations, NASW, which represents practitioners, CSWE, which represents educators, and SWER, which represents researchers. And he said he's never seen organizations working together so closely as they have with the grand challenges. And I asked him if there were topics that people would be surprised to find out that weren't grand challenge topics. And he said there were several, and then he explained why. Now, As an author of one of the Grand Challenge papers, I know that we were asked to conceptualize what could be accomplished in the next 10 years. So I finished the interview asking Dr. Barth what he hoped he would be able to say at the 10-year anniversary event of the Grand Challenges. And now, without further ado, on to episode 103 of the Social Work Podcast, The Grand Challenges for Social Work, an interview with Dr. Richard P. Barth. Rick, thanks so much for being here on the Social Work Podcast, talking with us about the Grand Challenge Initiative. The Grand Challenge papers seem to be written to other scholars. Is there an idea for incorporating or integrating or bringing together uh, educators, students, practitioners? So one of the key concepts of the Grand Challenges is that it will help us to communicate about what social work cares about. Social work cares about a lot of things, uh, but there are too many to mention sometimes, and they can be overwhelming to people. So just a story about that. Um, I presented the 12 grand challenges to my boss, Dr. Jay Perman, University of Maryland, who's a pediatrician, a gastroenterologist, and he works with social workers in his clinic, and he is an interprofessional education specialist. But when I gave it to him, he said, this is fantastic. He said, as much as I know that social workers help me in the clinic, and you do a lot in terms of behavioral health care, and you're great at getting people the Medicare or Medicaid that they need and other services, I didn't know that you were really committed to these 12 ideas. And so one of the things that I hope this will do in terms of bridging across all the levels that you mentioned, scholars, students, practitioners, policymakers, is that it will help us to create some commonly accepted areas that we understand there's developing expertise in, places where we know or have great confidence that we can make a difference, and that also tell people that we do work beyond 
health and behavioral health care and income assistance programs, and that we are working in areas that they care about, their family members care about, the community cares about. We hope that will bring uh, interest to the profession from everyone from a 10th grader to a foundation executive who's looking for a, a new approach, a new way to go, a new partner who can help them to solve problems that they have really cared about. The goal, we hope, will be that there will be conferences, and these have already started in some cases, that will give people the opportunity to meet around specific achievable goals. Can you talk a little bit about one of the grand challenges and how it's conceptualized and kind of where it's going? One of the grand challenges that is perhaps the most developed at this point is the challenge of ensuring healthy development for all youth. The working paper for that, and each of the grand challenges has a working paper that provides underlying background and goals and evidence that we might be able to achieve it or reduce it in a measurable way in in the next decade. The paper is called Unleashing the Power of Prevention. It has been led by two social work faculty, David Hawkins and Jeff Jensen, but there are 40 signatories to this paper. So it crosses many schools of social work, people who are outside of social work, um, pediatricians, counselors, um, other researchers. It's been published now online by the Institute of Medicine as a paper in support of some of their work. And it basically challenges all of us to think about the fact that we have 30 years of research and more than 50 evidence-based practices related to reducing risk behavior in youth and preventing problems that, if they were allowed to develop, would be extraordinarily difficult and expensive uh, to reduce and would lead to a lot of suffering. So the paper's focus is on prevention of youth behaviors, but it has a broader goal, which is to communicate to social work and to everyone outside of social work that social work is not only for deep end problems, that social work has great capacity to reach into communities, into schools, to assist families at the early end of problems, to understand uh, the role that public health has, and to be the implementers in many ways of a public health model that we are calling in this effort the power of prevention. So they have goals for um, public policy, for example, that 25 states in the next decade would develop centers of excellence around the power of prevention, where they would coordinate the um, high-quality evidence-based interventions in their state to make sure that there was an array of these services, figure out which of those services uh, would best be situated in which communities because of the risk patterns in those communities, and to further develop uh, an entire approach to prevention that would be institutionalized statewide so that whatever else happened in government, whatever other trends there were, that the science around the power of prevention and the capability to deliver these prevention programs would be maintained. So that sounds aspirational. 25 centers of excellence. Um, Are these grand challenges at the moment laying out a vision for how the world could be? And is is this really charting a course for, for social work in the next 10 years? 
the grand challenges are definitely visionary. The leadership who worked on the position papers committed to identifying progress that we could make in the next decade. Now, I must say that all the papers, including the one that I work on, aren't as clear about that as they might be. There's still a lot of work ahead to identify what are really some manageable goals and what path could we take to get there for a good proportion of the grand challenges. That doesn't mean that it can't be done. We're hoping that we can coalesce a lot of the resources in the profession, work with the current special interest groups that are part of the Society for Social Research, the specialty practice sections that are part of the National Association of Social Workers, the tracks and commissions that are part of the infrastructure of the Council on Social Education, bring those people together to work on these problems with us and to um, create then a clearer kind of working plan about where we think we need to be when in order to make what progress. We think that having those kinds of plans will help us to bring the resources from foundations, government agencies, and others who can see where they would fit in this plan to um, increase social justice and reduce inequality. So a goal of all of this has to do with funding. Is there precedent that uh, foundations or other funding agencies, maybe at the federal level, they look favorably upon grand challenge initiatives? So... The Grand Challenges definitely have a goal of increasing resources for the profession. I wouldn't categorize it as narrowly as funding. I think it involves a range of partnerships. So some of your listeners might have seen some of the commercials that the National Academy of Engineering and some of the um, energy companies put together around becoming an engineer and why you would want to become an engineer. The idea came out of the Grand Challenges, but the resources came from elsewhere. Uh, We think that there are partners like that. Certainly the Gates Foundation has a history of funding their own Grand Challenges. There are other um, organizations that we hope will give us the opportunity to compete for prizes or will sponsor pilot work or perhaps will fund infrastructure for the Grand Challenges. We don't have yet a... um, a clear set of those organizations in mind because we're really focused at this point on developing the plans, developing the message about the grand challenges, making it clear that people will know that we're competent to accomplish them, that we have a robust plan, that we have the scientific expertise, and where else, when we need other ideas, that we've got the right partners in place to be able to accomplish these goals. If you were to give advice to the next generation of doctoral students, knowing what you know about the grand challenges and this vision, what would be your advice for thinking about their scholarly career within this framework? So doctoral students have enormous curiosity and lots of energy, um, but like the rest of us, only 24 hours in the day. I would suggest that they spend some of that curiosity and energy looking at the grand challenges that seem to be in an area that they're interested in, Um, meeting some of the people who are working on these papers and are involved in the growing infrastructure around each of the grand challenges, signing up on the website to get more information for each of the grand challenges that they're interested in, 
and think about the opportunity that they would have to not only draw on the expertise of their own faculty, but to possibly become part of a national team that worked on a problem that brought in the best expertise that the field has, regardless of what university those experts are affiliated with, and to think about how they could play a part in contributing to that Grand Challenge, or at least in staying closely enough affiliated with the Grand Challenge to learn some of the methods that can be used to try to accelerate um, high-quality science and important service and policy interventions. But you wouldn't advise them to sort of narrowly focus their research interests based on the 12 grand challenges, or or would you? I mean, if there happens to be overlap, fine, but uh, I guess sort of how important would this be for sort of emerging scholars to, to align what they're doing with these grand challenges? When we designed the grand challenges, we hoped that every grand challenge would have an attractiveness to everyone in our professional community. And so I would think that it would be uh, informative uh, to at least stay connected, stay aware of what's going on with some of the grand challenges. If there's a conference on a grand challenge that has an interest that's allied to yours, then think about going to that. So an example would be, we don't have a grand challenge on foster care, for example. But I know that many doctoral students are interested in child welfare services. But we have grand challenges on um, on homelessness. We have grand challenges on um, preventing uh, or promoting youth development. We have grand challenges on financial capability. Now, there are intersections between what foster care, kids in foster care need, especially when they're leaving foster care, and financial capability, homelessness, um, emotional regulation, a lot of the kinds of topics that are going to be talked about or addressed in each of these grand challenges. I would look to the grand challenges for an opportunity to find another thread to follow that might be interwoven with that topic that is you're most passionate about. Earlier, you mentioned coordinating with with the different national organizations, so the NASW Specialty Practice Section, CSWE, of course, SWER. Um, how much buy-in did these organizations have initially, and how does one go about collaborating between organizations that have historically had some difficulty playing well together in the sandbox? The grand challenges themselves have been talked about now for almost four years. I can't say that we got out to every NASW chapter meeting or presented um, frequently to all social work organizations, but we've now made presentations, asked for input at the Council on Social Work Education meetings for three years, the Society for Social Work Research meetings for three years, to a couple of NASW pioneer meetings and recently to the 60th anniversary celebrations uh, held at NASW. We've talked with NASW leadership, with Angela McLean and CSWE, President Darla Coffey. Uh, in fact, they will be in a video about the grand challenges that I would encourage all of you to look at on the website. So they're very excited about this as well. Uh, I would say that in my more than 35 years in the profession, I've never seen so many professional organizations working so closely together on any particular area. 
uh, I hope that will be sustained, but uh, it's very promising so far. So you mentioned that there's no grand challenge on foster care. Um, you, you mentioned that some of the issues that are associated with foster care are kind of covered in other grand challenges. Are there other topics that people would be surprised to know are not a grand challenge? Yes, there are, and that comes up fairly often. Um, some of the grand challenges that are not there that you might expect to be would be, for example, um, eliminating severe poverty or reducing poverty in general or reducing child poverty. That is a topic that is, I think, close to many people's hearts, and they realize the impact of that on our society of such high poverty levels where half the children who are in public school are in poverty in this country is dramatic. The question of how to address poverty is a difficult one, and we had a number of different papers that talked about how challenging it is but didn't really find uh, their way to identifying measurable outcomes that seem to be achievable from specific kinds of interventions. That doesn't mean it can't be done, but those papers and a lot of that work is now um, nested under a grand challenge called equal opportunity for all. Uh, another issue that has um, been raised is there's none on um, equity for women. Uh, anything that specifically addresses as a grand challenge women's rights. That is a topic that many people have worked on in this field for a very long time and we're aware of that but again there wasn't a working paper that was developed that clearly indicated how we might proceed related to that, with the exception of a paper uh, written about stigma. So the paper on stigma addressed stigma related to mental illness, uh, sexual orientation, um, women's rights, and other issues. And so there is a strategy there. There are issues related to stigma that we know that we can address and have some promise for addressing. Not to say that reducing stigma addresses the entire issue or the full range of causes related to inequality and unfairness and treatment of women, or that the issues related to um, the African-American uh, educational pipeline, which is one of the position papers under uh, Equal Opportunity for All, addresses all the issues related to historical racism. But we had to make some choices, and we made choices around some more specific kinds of places where social workers have a history of accomplishment and a promise of being able to intervene more effectively if we can bolster our um, science related to it and we can increase the commitment and focus of the profession around these issues. So is there room for a 13th or a 14th grand challenge? I mean, if somebody hears this and says, oh, wait, one of the things that was lacking was more clarity of vision for how something can be achieved in the next 10 years. I'm on it. And they submit something. I mean, is, is there a possibility or is it really there are 12 and everything will now be subsumed under those those 12? The Grand Challenge Executive Committee is pretty clear at this time that there will be 12 Grand Challenges that additional working papers are certainly welcome, and they should identify which of the grand challenges they would be associated with, and then if they really 
could make a difference to the Grand Challenge Initiative. I'm sure that they, we would find a way to incorporate them into what is now still quite a wide open infrastructure. So imagine it's 2025 and you're invited to give a talk commemorating the 10 year anniversary of the Grand Challenge Initiative. What do you hope that you will be able to say about how the field has advanced in 10 years? I hope that for each of the 12 Grand Challenges, there would be very clear and measurable goals that have been identified, and that for most of them, if not all of them, there would be substantial progress in addressing those goals. It may be that we won't have the resources to measure all of that impact, which is an expensive enterprise, but I would hope that we would at least have the theories in place, the interventions in place, uh, training programs that were beginning to prepare people to do that innovative work, collaborations across disciplines, which is going to be critical to this effort, funders who were interested in, in what we were doing and had committed to some of the development of these grand challenges. And very importantly, I would hope that there would be enough work between the grand challenges to share the new innovations in research methods and intervention development and technology and um, surveying and sampling and measuring outcomes uh, and social media to communicate these outcomes so that the entire enterprise of social work would be lifted up in terms of what people expected of us, knowing that they could expect strong, well-evaluated, reasoned uh, analyses and clear communication resulting from any investment they made in social work. So in addition to be able to look back and seeing this is what was achieved, it also sounds like not just that there's good for the greater society, but also that there's a benefit for social work, which is that people are able to see social work and see it as making valuable contributions to society, maybe in ways that they never imagined. Absolutely. We would certainly hope that there would be students who are now in eighth grade who would then be attracted to social work as a profession. They would see that the opportunities are great here, that it's incredibly exciting and promising work to do, that they would choose this path over other possible paths, and that people who are thinking about changing careers would give very high regard to becoming part of the grand challenges of social work by joining the social work profession, that the effect would be a invigorated, well-resourced profession that was recruiting the best talent into the profession and creating interesting enough and rewarding enough work to maintain and retain great social workers over long periods of time who were enhancing the well-being of society. Rick, thank you so much for talking with us today on the Social Work Podcast about the Grand Challenge Initiative. It's my great privilege to have the chance to communicate about the Grand Challenges. I hope that this brings some of the excitement to your listeners that it's brought to my life. I'm Jonathan Singer, and thanks for being with me today for another episode of the Social Work Podcast. If you missed an episode or have suggestions for future episodes, please visit socialworkpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our online store at cafepress.com slash swpodcast. To all the social workers out there, keep up the good work. 
We'll see you next time at the Social Work Podcast.